RTB AM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Off the ball, daily. All right, you're very welcome back and it's time for some uh, Gaelic football which on OTB Sports is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. You can check out the toughest for more. Delighted to say we're joined on the line by the uh, former Mayo footballer, four-time All-Star, Colm Boyle. Good evening, Colm. Adrian, how are you? How are things? All right, how are you getting on? I'm great, I'm great. Uh, after the weekend's action, it was great to have it back. I think it was 27 weeks or something like that since the All-Ireland final so it felt like an awful long time ago. Obviously we've been, we've been watching the club since but yeah it was brilliant to have it back and I think we were served up with pretty decent fairs the weekend so it was a good start overall. Yeah it was no like tame return it was back with a bang there was plenty of excitement at the full-time whistle in the uh, meet the Mayo um, Galway game which is going to be the meet and drink of what we'll chat about. Has that continued the excitement around the streets today? Are people back buzzing now about what you know, uh, the the um, life post Lee Keegan and Oshin Mullen might be, you know, might not be so bad. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a bit of that in it. I think, I think last year for Mayo Sports in general was a tough year. Just with the way the year went, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a struggle, you know. And then you're watching Galway really develop on and get to an Ireland final. So you know, you you, you bring in factors into you know the first round league game against Galway, a, a huge crowd in the Kale Park, you know, fourteen probably fifteen thousand people there crazy atmosphere, huge intensity to a January game, a 28th of January, the shape that guys were in, but you could see the work both teams have done at this stage. And yeah, I, I, from talking to people the last couple of games and uh, the last couple of days and people that are at the game, they, they were they were really excited after it. And I think I think from from a Mayo and Galway point of view, I think there's something bubbling there nicely. Also, obviously Galway were in the All-Ireland final last year, so Mayo have a bit of work to do to to, to get to the level goal we did last year. But, you know, you bring Shane Walsh back in and Jack Dane and Starks last year, Sean O'Kerr and a few players like that. You know, they're not going to be a million miles away again this year. And, and, and Mayo have plenty of players come back in from the team that played the last year with Tommy Conroy, had Jock and obviously Owen McLaughlin, Porco Hora, and then obviously Aidan O'Shea, Killian O'Connor comes in off the bench as well, huge factors as well. So you add that in, you know, Mayo Galway, I think, are the two of the top maybe four or five teams in the country, I would say. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if maybe in the next year or two we we'll see a big All Ireland semi final or possibly you never know we'll even final in Crow Park. Um, you know, that'd be that'd be something to look forward to definitely this side of the country. But yeah, it's early days yet, but I, I think there's good signs for both teams really. Given the like sheer number that you've just mentioned there and also the quality of all those players that you mentioned, the Mayo side that have yet to come back in and given the fact that it's really the first competitive, proper competitive game that Kevin McStay and his managing team will have had, uh, it's possibly hard to answer this one with any sort of definitive uh, idea. But in so much as you could tell, what are they doing differently under Kevin McStay than they might have done before? Uh, well, there's a couple of things in that, is in they're trying a couple of boys in, in a few different positions. Obviously, Connor Loftus at number six is a, is, is a big change. Um, certainly, when I was thinking about who might be playing at six this year for Mayo, it probably he probably wouldn't have won that sprung to mind. But obviously, the lads see something there that they're they're trying to develop and work with. So it would be really interesting to see you know how that goes through the league. In a more kind of gameplay scenario, okay, what did Mayo do? There was a good energy about the team. That's one thing I would say. Maybe something that was missing an awful lot of the time last year, from from a tactical point of view. I think you know they hunted Galway in packs as as Galway did when Mayo Mayo had the ball. But I think what was noticeable for me is when Mayo turned Galway over, especially you know it deepened their own defence. They looked to move the ball really really quickly. 
And Mayo over the last couple of years, we've probably been guilty of maybe running the ball too much out of defence and we've come a bit predictable in our play. But I think the last night was very, very noticeable. The first pass after we turned over goal, it was always looking to go forward. And we were trying to move it really, really quickly as much as we could. Okay, when we got to that forward line, a lot of the time that slowed down because I just don't think we had a link man there that could connect the, the next play to the full forward line to James Carr and Rhino Jono. So that's definitely something they'll be looking at going forward and getting a more creative player in a half forward line. But I, I definitely think there were signs there, just the energy, the energy both teams brought and the intensity. I, I think that was one thing. But certainly from a male point of view, I think we were trying to do the right things. Okay, the quality wasn't brilliant. We're not going to fool ourselves and think it was it was an outstanding game of football or anything like that. But from a sheer intensity, tackles, turnovers, uh, excitement point of view. It, it was a great game to, to start the league with, for sure. Yeah, we might come back to the moving the ball quickly point in a minute, but the energy one, um, just to, to pick up on that, is that, is that just come as a natural bounce? Is that what you're saying? Like it's a natural bounce from the new management ticket or is there a direct impact of the way they're trying to play the football that's the source of that energy? It's a couple of things. Yeah, definitely new management bounce, of course. But obviously, a Saturday night game in Casabar. Uh, is is brilliant under lights like I said 14,000 people there that brings its own atmosphere and its own intensity to the game itself and obviously your local neighbours coming to town as well who are just coming off the back of a Laren final so there's four or five factors there that you come together like I was expecting fireworks really from, from both teams and I think we pretty much got that like I said the quality wasn't wasn't outstanding it, it was good at times and there was a couple of moments of magic obviously James Carr's goal in particular but just the sheer, the sheer intensity that both teams want. And it was very, very obvious, even on both sidelines, and I would say in particular the Galway sideline, you know, how much they wanted to win that game for, for a January game of football. Um, I think that contributed really to that, to the huge intensity and the work rate and the tackles and the turnovers that, that we saw evident throughout the 70, 80 minutes. I was interested in your point specifically then about the, the moving the ball quickly because I did notice watching the TV coverage about three minutes in there was a lot of lateral play and Emmett Morrison commentary had made the point that, that uh, there was audible booing from the crowd about the uh, an unease let's say I don't want to overstate it there was an unease at the crowd about the lateral play um, and so I was interested in that and you might just pick it up on that column as well as um, maybe a not entirely unrelated point but just their um how they contrive to not score for large periods. Again, particularly in the first half, they seem to be running into traffic a lot. They dropped four shots short into the keeper's hands and not all of it was forced. Like There was some of it that was not under a great deal of pressure. So just those two points side by side, you might pick them up. Yeah, so I'm moving the ball quickly. I think you're right. Look, I think in every game of football now, you're going to see that lateral play side to side for certain scenarios because you can't move the ball quickly every time. When Mayo were most trying to move the ball quickly, I felt it was when they turned over Galway. So they were trying to hit them before Galway got the chance really to set up, which is what Galway were doing really, really well last year. They were, they were getting their two wing forwards tucked in to drop to allow their wing backs to drop off to the D, and they were protecting that area really well. So I felt when Mayo won the ball, they were trying to move the ball quickly so they couldn't allow that Galway players player to get back in. When Galway then got set, that's when Mayo would look at and say, All right, we need to do an awful lot better here. Obviously, well, I think one three in the first half. You mentioned there about a couple of the shots they took on, four drops short, really not good enough in at, at senior and county football level. And, and and some of their, you know, it looked like a bit of a struggle. It looked like they couldn't really find their their two men inside James Carr and 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 Ryan O'Donoghue in particular. Aidan Orm really had dropped out to lead them two inside. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. That creative link really around centre forward wasn't there from from certainly from a Mayo point of view. I felt. They were missing someone that could just find that pass and, and link that play. 
and uh, like I'd be interested to to see going forward with Mayo. And I kind of mentioned this already about the about the lads that are coming back in over the next couple of games and into the league. If we can get a Tommy Conroy, a Killian O'Connor, obviously James Carr, Aidan O'Shea, possibly you know vying for full forward spot. I'd be interested. I, I think Ryan O'Donoghue actually could be the man that drops out possibly to eleven position and becomes a bit of crea- uh, a link man there to the full forward line. Becomes a bit of a creative player. He, he played it. 11 and 2020 for us and was really good there as good as he is close to goal I think you're going to need someone that will feed the full forward line for Mayo in the future so I think that could actually be his role going forward And you expect him to be around the traditional 11 position or a bit deeper? Uh, you look at at this day and age you, you, you're going to get dragged and pulled all over the place because that's just the nature of it he could be kind of the, the third man coming out leaving two inside and, and playing a small bit deeper a bit further out close to goal or just functioning as an actual uh, orthodox and forward and, and, and playing from there but look at Ryan Ryan can do any of the goals really you're asking and if you want a man to stay close to goal he, he can also do that for him but I just think Mayo down the line are going to need a man to link that play and I think actually he actually could be the man to do it that uh, showed serious cojones at the end as well. It did, it did. Yeah, I know, super score. But I think, I think if you're if you're Ken McStay and Stephen Rotter, you'd be looking back on that and thinking we probably got slightly off the uh, get let off the hook there because that shot is probably outside Ryan's rage. I would say, you know, it's 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 a sideline ball. He has a goal that he's well short on it. Um, I think if you're in that scenario again, Mayo will be looking to to move that. He, he takes the shot on because no one is looking for it. I mm-hmm. think that's the thing. So developing a set play around that again, if you're in that scenario where we're you know two or three passes and we get a shot off at the top of the D because it's not going to be every team that kicks the ball back to you in, in a better position and, and puts it over the bar. But in fairness to Ryan, if, if you're from Mayo, that ball drops to anyone. It's, it's him or Killian that you want. And in fairness to him, he stuck it very, very well. But I think I think there's learnings in that, even though we, we, we got the point and got away with the win. I should have asked you at the top, were you at the game or were you like, like me watching on the TV? I was I actually was and no, I was away for the night, so I was watching it closely on, on TV. Yeah, very good. Well, because I, I wanted to ask you because I was watching uh, the coverage and it seemed to me a lot of the time you'd see like Mikhail seemed to be in the background a little bit. Rochford is very much front and centre alongside Kevin McStay, and Rochford seemed to be really vocal, like in a way that like you do see some sort of I don't know what his official title is, assistant manager, whatever, like would yeah. be, but like he wasn't sort of deferring to McStay an awful lot for what he was saying. He was just he was going for it. What's your um, read on what the various roles are? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I was in the dome for the in the in the interactions for the two previous games uh, in the FBD league against Galway and Roscommon, and and what you're saying is right. Like Stephen's voice was just echoing around the the dome and and carrying in there because he was he was shouting on the instructions an awful lot. So look, at I'm sure an awful lot of it was pre-planned. Uh, at the, the stuff that they're adding in, but certainly that he seems to be definitely the assistant manager as you said or, or very close to, to an ally to Kevin because he, he is delivering a lot of the instructions in but I'm sure that's pre-planned I'm sure they're, I'm sure Kevin is happy with that Stephen's not going off, just going off on his own back I think he saw something similar down the other end really with Keane O'Neill and, and, and Porrick Joyce you know Keane will, will, will roar in the instructions as is needed from that side as well so I think it's similar on both camps to be honest yeah, no inter-county GA team anymore. Well, well, no longer can you have just one manager. It's got to be, you no, know, pulling no, somebody. Even Jim McGuinness is at it. If, uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I thought at one stage it was starting to kick off there on the sideline. There was so much going on and so much uh, contesting of, de- of decisions. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good watch for sure. No um, Mayo chat, particularly at this time of the year, is complete without um, a bit of a sense of what Aidan O'Shea is up to. And he obviously comes in in 55 minutes and I think he ran straight into the full forward line. The, mm. the Matty Rowan black card probably muddied the waters a little bit in terms of trying to get a bit of a feel as to where he might be actually positioned uh, deep into the year. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that just changed. I think Aiden pretty much had to come out, if not to 11, to put to midfield after that. And uh, it just slightly changed what they might have planned for him to do. But he still had an influence in the game. Like he comes deep and, and Killian McDade pulls him down and, and he gets a black card pretty much straight away after Matty Ruan's uh, black card. So look, it's going to be really, really interesting. Kevin has been very, very vocal on this in his media work the last couple of years that he feels Aiden O'Shea is the best position for Mayo's foot forward. So look, at I presume... You know, it's not just uh, as simple as that. They, they will look at him elsewhere, but it will be really interesting because probably for the first time in a hell of a long time, we, we've got good options inside. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic of the whole forward line looks as the year goes on. Killian as well coming in there looked really, really sharp, I thought. Even in the in the 10 or 15 minute cameo, I thought he got through an awful lot of work and got a great score off his left just to set the nail down and got them back within a point or got them level at the time. I can't really remember. So look at they're not going all going to start. That's the reality when it comes to the championship. I think you know someone or one, maybe two of them have to miss out. But it's really, really good options to have because in a year now with this new format, your your panel and your your strength and depth is more crucial than ever. So you know the more options we have, the better. But it definitely will be worth keeping an eye on as the year goes on for sure. Yeah, he clipped over an absolute beauty. It was a tight, mm. uh, tight angle as well. I think off the left. What um, James McC- uh, James Carr, the goal, and people are chatting about it. And again, it's doing the rounds online, and it's an absolute rocket of a goal. Um, and he's injury free, and he's going well, and and he looks good. He looks free um, in a load of different ways. You've obviously seen him up close. How good can James Carr be? Look, the frustrating thing for Mayo supporters is we know James Carr. So obviously everyone has seen it in, in Limerick in, in 2019 against Galway, that goal, a very similar goal again the last deck. I would say over the last couple of years playing training games at Mayo, James Carr puts in a bullet like that probably every second or third training game where everyone just comes to a standstill for a second or two and just goes, wow, well, you know, what, what's after happening there? That's the magic that, that James Carr has. The frustrating thing maybe is that we don't see the consistency in his game that, you know, if he can just become more regular in his ball winning and making good decisions when he gets the ball and clipping over two or three, maybe just even simple get scores, you know what I mean, and really get himself into the game that way. Because if he can add the simple stuff to the game and the stuff he does really, really well when he gets on the ball, like he's very direct when he turns and takes on his man, normally beats them or he gets a foul or a free a free in, he's really, really good, he's direct running. Like he's one of the few players, if he picks the ball up on the 45 and beats his man, it's actually a goal chance because everything just seems to open up from him from that. So look at the consistency, keeping him injury-free is a big thing because over the years, he has been generally going well in a, in a game here or there and then he pick up a little niggle or not, they'll keep him out for, for three or four weeks and he finds it hard to get back into the team and to get his form after that. So there's numerous different factors that come, but there's no doubt on any given day, James is capable of doing exactly what he did the last day and is putting that ball into the top corner. Uh, from ridiculous uh, from ridiculous angles so really you know sometimes a new management team can just bring out the best in a player you know just out of nowhere and we're hoping now for Mayo because it really is time for James now to, to start delivering on a consistent basis so we're hoping now this could be just the freshness he needs to, to go and he could be more settled in his, in his general life or whatever it is that he just might have the tools now to really to go out and cut loose yeah, all right. Well, look, I have two things to ask you about, Colm, and uh, I have two minutes left, right? So bear that yeah. in mind. Number one is uh, Dublin-Kildare game. 12 yeah. scores for Dublin from 30 chances. And I see it being spun as a bit of a worry for, for Dublin. 30 chances. I mean, they're, they're never going to miss that many again. 
they're not no unheard of almost. And if, if you look at their, a lot of their play in the first half, the three obviously his main boys, Costco, Kilkenny, and 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 Conor Callan all held scoreless in play. I think nice Scully gets the first point from from the Dublin forward from thirty minutes, so they were definitely better in the second half. There's no doubt about it, and that efficiency will improve. But even some of the shots they took off, especially in, in the first half, I would say. From, from angles and distances that really they, they weren't going to get from. So very undoubling, like I would say, in, in, in some of their shot selection. But overall, Jason Fryer won't be hugely concerned. First first game, the need they got the win wasn't hugely impressive. But if, if the most thing I'd be worried about if I was a Dublin supporter that we didn't see any new player coming. So, you know, sometimes an unknown player that we might know from outside of Dublin. It was, it was last that we've seen a lot over the last couple of years. But, you know, nothing overly, you know, is no player that you would say is going to break through into the team you could say that we didn't know about yeah maybe David O'Hanlon in the goal might have been the one sort yeah, of yeah he was part. really good actually yeah I uh, I need to ask you about Robbie Henley um, yes. so he's confirmed moving from Braithy to Rohini and obviously we, there's all the fuss about the Shem Walsh story you had Jack McCarran just last week moving jobs uh, moving uh, clubs within his county is this a, a rolling stone effect as you see it Cullum, or is it just like that we'll see more and more players doing this do you think or no I think this is a very different one than what we've seen before, especially the two you mentioned there, Shane Walsh and Jack McCarran. Like Robbie's been living up in Dublin for the last 12 years and he's made the huge commitment up and down for club and county over that period, pretty much for 10 months of the year. And circumstances when they changed, he got married there last December, you know, so things change and it just, be, you know, can become too much. So I think this is a completely understandable one. It's, it's, it's far different than, than a couple of ones you mentioned there. I think, I think Robbie just needs, if he is to continue, Long and he's into counter career at Mayo that he just something needs to give and it's it's that extra couple of months traveling around especially now with the split season that he just feels that it, that it's time you know to 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 still be playing football at a high level but just not be traveling as much so I think it's very understandable from his behalf and and, and I hope it goes well for him. First of the year, Colin. Really enjoyed that. We'll catch up with you again down the track. Thanks a million. Great stuff, Aaron. Yeah, thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Colin Boyle, a former Mayo footballer, four-time All-Star on the line.